Hey, Bus Bench Babes, it's Beth here again doing a solo episode, and we are going to talk all about winning in multiple offers. We did an episode um, like a part one sort of thing last year, and now we're going to dig even deeper into the topic because it is the topic of the hour. And hey, real estate agents, you need to know how to win in multiple offers. So let's dive in. You're listening to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast, where we invite you to check your ego at the app, grab a cup of coffee, and get ready to dive into all things real estate marketing, social media, friendship, hardship, love, money mindset, and all the things that celebrate you as a badass boss babe. We're here to encourage you, show up for you, give you a loving kick in the pants when you need it most, and be your soft place to land on the hardest of days. So pull up a seat at our table and get ready to be inspired and start living your best life by design. Welcome to the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. We are so excited you're here. Okay, girls, let's dive in. Hey, Bus Bench Babes, Beth here doing a solo episode and... Let's talk multiple offers. This is a big deal. This is the hot topic of the hour. Everybody's talking about it. Buyers are talking about all the multiple offers they're losing in. (laughs) Sellers are talking about all the multiple offers that they're getting on their properties. And there's a lot to it. And it is a really strategic thing. This is not the time to just be like sitting by the wayside, just like hoping and praying your offer will get accepted if you're working with a buyer. And if you're representing sellers, you need to know how to be strategic so you can really help your sellers make a really educated, great decision on the offer that they choose on their property. So I'm we're going to dive into a bunch of stuff. So just for reference, episode three, if you want to refer back to the episode, the first time we talked about multiple offers, it was our episode number three. And I'm just going to touch on the five points that I talked about like really quick before we dive into the new ideas. So if you're newer to the podcast, like welcome. I'm so glad you're here. And episode number three, we touched on building rapport. So you need to build rapport as a buyer's agent. You need to be building rapport with the listing agent. This seems super elementary. And when I'm on the listing side of things, I'm absolutely shocked and horrified at how many buyer's agents like literally make no effort to build rapport and they just email over an offer. And I'm like, I I don't even know who you are. I've seen your name come across on showing time that you showed my property. And that's literally all I know. And then I'm your what are you gonna email me a decoder um, thing so I can decode what your offer is all about? No, pick up the phone, make the connection, build rapport. It's gonna go a long, long way. Number two, prep your buyers for the process, especially if you're working with first time buyers or you've working with buyers. You know, not we're in the trenches day in and day out as a real estate agent. Buyers don't do this every day. And I think as real estate agents, we forget that and we forget that if a client bought or sold a house 10 years ago, 
there is an incredible amount of things that have changed within the industry. And we need to be the ones that really educate them on what the process looks like, set the expectation from the get go. Um, Super important. Number three, and we're going through these quick because you can just go back to episode number three and really do a deep dive in this. But I want to get to our new points too, that I think will be helpful to help you in 2022 and going forward. Number three, make your offer stand out. That means your offer details, like they need to be sexy. And we're going to dig into some really like sexy tips on what you can do to make your offers really be more appealing to the seller. But your offer needs to stand out. Like if the listing agent has a pile of 10 offers, how are you going to float to the top one or two offers and win in multiple offers for your client? It's our job. How are we going to make this happen? Number four, package your offer really beautifully. Don't be that person that emails 10 PDFs individually. The listing agent is really going to just want to choke you at this point. As a buyer's agent, you need to bundle your offer into one beautiful, tidy PDF and put in the email that you send over with the offer of the offer highlights. Like, Hey, here's the offer highlights. Here's the price. Here's the earnest money. Here's the type of financing. Here's a lender I work with. And this is why I work with that lender. And we have X, Y, Z terms. Like the agent needs to be able to on a property that's getting 20 offers. We had a property in the twin cities recently get over a hundred offers your offer isn't even getting to get the time of day if your offer is not presented beautifully. When that listing agent opens your email from you with the offer for your buyer, they need to be able to just really concisely get a brief overview. Okay, wow, oh wow, this is a great offer. I've got all the details. And then when they click on your PDF, everything is in there just packaged beautifully. That's tip number four. Tip number five, and this is so elementary, you guys, and I'm shocked at how many agents don't have their lenders do it. Have your lender pick up the phone, call the listing agent. If they can't get them on the phone, they can send an email, they can leave a voicemail, they can shoot them a text and say, hey, my name is whatever. Let's say my name is Bob Anderson and I work with Beth Randall. And here, let me tell you about our mutual buyers. Like they're very well qualified, blah, blah, blah. Obviously your lender is a professional. They're not going to be disclosing information about your mutual client that they're not allowed to, but they're going to be singing the praises of one, how they do business two, how qualified the buyer is and like how, like we're, we're all in team. Like we're all looking towards the finish line to get this house closed. So that's kind of a high overview of what happened in episode number three, but go, go back to that episode. Um, I did like a really deep dive on all five of those topics, but let's dive into what is happening currently. And here some more tips and tricks about what our team uses to win in multiple offers and really like make our offers shine above the competition. If your showing window allows for a longer showing time, does your inspector do like mini inspections? There's a lot of inspectors, especially here. I'm not sure what it's like in other parts of the country, but here in the Twin Cities, in Minneapolis area, St. Paul area, there are home inspectors that will come and do a mini home inspection during a showing. Is it a full-blown, thorough, huge inspection? No, but if you're in a situation where you know skipping the inspection is probably going to be one of the things that wins you the house and the inspector can actually put some eyeballs on it and really look at someone like the key components of the house, it truly is better than not having an inspection. So if you can get an hour window 
and have an inspector show up at the house, it that really could be the thing. And then skip your inspection on your offer. That really could make your offer shine. If your buyer waives an inspection, you know, I don't recommend any of my buyers do that. And so I always put that out there. Like, you know, not having an inspection will probably make your offer sexier. Do I love this idea? I always say no. No, I I actually hate this idea. If we can't have an inspection, I don't love this idea at all. But if you choose to not have an inspection on this house that you want to buy because you love it so much, my recommendation is take the money that you would have spent on a home inspection and put that money into a home warranty. A home warranty is a one-year plan that will help you get the furnace repaired, the AC, the refrigerator breaks down, like all of your sort of major mechanical things in the home. It will give you like a one-year peace of mind policy. And then you just pray to God if the furnace is going to go out, it goes out during that that one-year period. But that at least gives you some level of protection versus not having anything and you're just like floating in the wind. Um, Another awesome tip is offer to pay part or all of the seller's closing costs. This is a tip that a lot of agents are like, what? Well, so the seller pays all of the commissions in the real estate transaction, and they also have actual hard costs to their closing. So in Minnesota, the hard costs that um, don't that you cannot vary on a sales side of a transaction are somewhere in the ballpark of one to one and a half percent of the sales price. So if you offered to pay for part of those costs or just pay specific title costs or pay your state deed tax for the seller, any of those costs that you know are going to add up, that is really going to be something that's just slightly different. And it might be different enough where the seller is like, oh, well, you've, you've caught my attention. Tell me more about this. So if the seller, if the buyer has cash, and they want the house bad enough, obviously you're going to have to factor in the fact that they still need to have money for their down payment. They still need to have money for their closing costs. But if they're cash flush and they have the ability to pay for some of the seller's closing costs, and that is the thing that hooks the deal and your gets your buyers the house, it's certainly something to consider. Another way, let's circle back to the inspection for a second. So another way, if your bell, if your buyer is really like, I need to have an inspection on this house because it makes me nervous, um, you can make some caveats to the purchase agreement and um, add in some extra clauses in relation to the inspection where you would say buyer will have the inspection quickly and buyer will not be asking for any repairs under a certain dollar amount. So on my most recent listing that I had closed, I think the offer that we chose had $2,500 in there as the threshold. And they said, if any repairs come up that total like more than $2,500, that's the only time that we would start having a conversation. You almost have to have something like borderline catastrophic wrong with a house to be over $2,500. But anything um, under that, we're we're good. We're not going to ask for anything. I had one that went up as high as ten thousand dollars, and I'm like, holy cow! Like, there needs to be something major, like structures, like crazy huge amount of stuff wrong with the house in order for that clause to be enacted. So what that does, and what I love about this um, 
this little clause is that your buyers are still able to, able to have a home inspection. Um, but they also, if there was something catastrophic wrong with the house, it gives them the out to either get negotiated with the seller or to be able to get out of the purchase agreement altogether. But if there's just like little nickel and dime things wrong with the house, they're able to know about them up front and say, okay, yeah, like we are willing to deal with a couple of windows with broken seals. And there is like a little leaky pipe underneath the kitchen sink, which, you know, the inspector said isn't going to be that big of a deal. And we can get a plumber in and get this taken care of for $200. So it gives the buyer peace of mind, but it also helps the seller be like, okay, like we're not going to totally get freaked out here because there needs to be something. We've maintained our house really well. And we, we don't know of anything that's major. That's going to be more than $2,500. And yeah, we're going to go with this offer. So it's it's sort of like a good peace of mind for both sides of the teeter-totter. Um, and I, I really, I really freaking love that one a lot. How about offering to pay for the seller's movers or to pay for the seller's house to be deep cleaned before moving out? Or like after they move out before the buyers take possession? What if the buyer agrees to just take the house as is? And said, you know what, move your stuff out and you don't even need to clean it at all. How many times if you've sold a house, are you at your house at 10 o'clock at night on your hands and knees scrubbing the kitchen floor going, oh my God, like I don't even own this house as of tomorrow morning. And here I am scrubbing this place top to bottom. How many times? Like I I can clearly remember the last, man, three houses that I sold where I was like, I need re- <laughs> I need reinforcements. Someone please come help me. And I'm like mopping my way out the door. And you're just like, holy cow, like I'm exhausted. My whole life, everything I own, all my worldly possessions are in a moving truck. And I am like beat tired. I'm a freaking hot mess. And I'm like wiping out the refrigerator and mopping my way out. If you could alleviate the stress for the seller, how excitable do you think the seller would be to entertain your offer? I think a lot of sellers would be like, yes, that sounds amazing. Sign me up. Um, Another really hot and sexy thing that we're seeing in a lot of offers is what's called an appraisal clause or an appraisal gap. There's a few different names for it, but they're they're all essentially the same thing. It is basically language written, written into a purchase agreement that guarantees if the appraisal comes in low, Because anytime a buyer has a loan or a mortgage on a property, if you pay cash, this is pretty much irrelevant. But if a buyer comes in with a mortgage and they say they want to um, buy a house, they're going to put 10% down and they're offering, let's say the number goes really crazy and they're offering $50,000 over asking price. Well, a lot of times the sellers are starting to get really nervous. Like, well, what if the house doesn't appraise? We're already hoping to get top dollar for this house. And now someone came in and they're offering $50,000 more. Well, an awesome peace of mind for the seller, which makes your offer look way more attractive, is to say, if the appraisal comes in low, buyer is willing to make up the difference between the appraised value and the purchase price up to X. That X could be $2,500. That X could be $10,000. That X could be the entire gap. There's there's no there's no right or wrong answer to that but what it does and this this solution only works if the buyer is cash flush which 
if the buyer has money for their down payment and their closing costs, and they have additional access to money to make up the difference, that's really the only that's really the only way this would work. If your buyer is struggling to come up with their down payment and their and their closing cost money, don't even offer this as an option to them or or talk about it, but it might not even be an option. But maybe they have access to borrowing money from a parent or something if if they really were if they really had to enact this. So when I'm on the listing side of things and we see this in purchase agreements, it's super attractive to the seller. How many times does it really come into play? Of all the listings our team had last year, it only came into play one time, literally one time. And so the buyer was willing to put in an additional $5,000. And I think our difference was maybe like 10. So our seller had to come down five and then the buyer came up five, but that's a heck of a lot better than our seller having to come down $10,000 without having that clause in at all. So that can be a really, really effective negotiating tool. A lot of lenders have the ability to plug an address into an automated underwriting system. And if a buyer is putting down 20% and they have a solid credit history and like their credit worthiness and depth is um, in a good position, there's a really strong chance that the buyer is going to get an appraisal waiver waiver altogether. And what that means is, is that the lender runs the property address on their desktop appraisal software. And the, the, the software basically spits out and says, yep, the value is great or the value is not there. And if the value is great, what that means is your buyer doesn't have to pay for an appraisal and doesn't actually have to have a physical appraisal because the automated, it's basically like a computer algorithm that spits out a value, says everything's okay. Well, there's lenders that can run the property address even before a purchase agreement would get written and say, well, this house is with these buyers and this house and their down payment and their credit history and their credit worthiness and their assets and everything that they have, you know, it's a full picture. It's not just how much money you're putting down on a house. Uh, there's lenders that, that have said like, I've already ran the house and it's going to get a waiver. Um, hello. You don't even have to do an appraisal gap. If you've got the waiver, it's, it's just sort of a no brainer. It's a no brainer for the listing agent at that point, assuming that your numbers um, are a sales price that the seller's really going to be happy with. Um, having that, having that appraisal waiver altogether really could be the thing that cinches the deal. What about, you know, part of the purchase agreement is earnest money. The money that says, yep, buyers are putting some skin in the game and they really want to buy your house. You know, a typical earnest money is somewhere in the ballpark of 1% of the sales price. What if you put more money in and you made it non-refundable? Meaning that the buyers, you know, like say there's $10,000 into a deal that the buyers have put down as earnest money and they said if they change their mind or they can't get a loan or whatever the scenario is, they're willing to forfeit that money. That makes the sellers really think twice about an offer and say, okay, well, the buyer, the buyers are serious here. They're putting their money where their mouth is. And that, that really shows seriousness. And 
I'm sure when you're thinking about this, like when all of these things are bundled together, you're like, oh yeah, you start, you start combining an appraisal gap and, uh, inspection, extra special inspection language, and then you're willing to do non-refundable earnest money, all of a sudden the seller's like, oh yeah, these buyers did not come to play. They want this house and they want it bad. All these terms are really, really making it hard to resist their offer, which is exactly what you want if you're a buyer's agent. Um, When you're building rapport, like we talked about in episode three, What if you really are asking probing questions to get to the why of what's important to the seller? I think a lot of agents just don't even put in the legwork. And really, like your job is to get your home, to get the buyers the home that they want, the home that they love. And if you're not putting in the legwork to really find out like what's important to the seller and, you know, if the seller has some unusual request or something that's sort of out of the ordinary. You're not even going to find that out if you don't pick up the phone and talk to the listing agent, first of all. But second of all, if your buyer has some flexibility on their end, why wouldn't you try to accommodate them if at all possible, right? The The buyer, if they're in a flexible position and maybe they have the ability to afford their current home and their move up home, they're downsizing, upsizing, they've already sold their home and are living with, you know, doing a short term rental or living with family until they move into their next house. A lot of buyers in this marketplace right now have a lot of flexibility. Why would you not cater to the sellers if it's a home you love and it checks all your boxes on the buyer standpoint? Why would you not give the seller everything they want if it really is, in fact, the home the buyer wants to buy? So that's something to really think about as well. I've heard of crazy stories where the buyers say, if you accept our offer, we'll like, you know, send over a chef to do a catered dinner at your house or give you gift certificates to whatever swanky restaurant in town or buy you uh, first class air tickets to wherever XYZ destination. Buyers are really just throwing caution to the wind and just throwing out, you know, throwing that Hail Mary to see what really could be that thing that's going to grab the seller's attention. Um, I heard about a story where you could tell that the sellers were really into a certain kind of wine and it was not inexpensive wine. It was really like kind of bougie, high price wine. And the buyers said, if you accept our offer, we'll have a case of whatever their favorite wine delivered to the house um, upon acceptance of the purchase agreement. And the sellers took the offer. They're like, heck yeah, you wrote us an awesome offer and we're going to get a case of wine of $100 bottles of wine and you're going to send me like whatever, a full case. Heck yeah, we're on board with that. It was just something that was different enough to catch the attention of the sellers. So how can you brainstorm? If you're a buyer listening to this, how can you brainstorm with your agent to come up with some strategies to really make your offer stand out? Don't be don't be the vanilla offer in the pile. Be the polka dot, multicolored stripe, neon offer in the pile. And if you're a buyer's agent listening to this, there's a lot of tips and tricks out there. You just have to be willing to like learn and grow and use strategies that maybe are different. Maybe you haven't used these in your in your business model before, but we're in a market everywhere in Minnesota and across the country right now 
where you need to be aggressive. You need to really, really advocate and go to bat for your buyers or your buyers are going to be writing offer after offer. They're going to get weary. You're going to get weary. That's not a good position for anyone to be in. So I hope you found some um, tips and tricks in this episode that you can take going forward and you can win more multiple offers and make your offers more competitive. And anytime, reach out if there's any questions that ever come up. Um, I would love to talk to you about how you can really get that competitive advantage and win more offers. That's what this game is all about. Getting more houses for your clients. And then when you're on the listing side of things, Make sure that you're advocating the best for your sellers and you're picking offers that give your sellers the most protection in, in the sale where they're um, able to get some, you know, obviously not having an inspection is going to make it really easy for your sellers. Um, but can you, can you negotiate appraisal clauses? Um can you get some language written into purchase agreements that say, you know, if anything under $2,500, you're only, you know, the buyers are only going to um, ask for repairs that are catastrophic. Like any of that extra language that you can get written into the offer that you accept on behalf of your sellers and that your sellers decide to choose, that's going to make you look like a rock star too. So there's tips and tricks for everyone on all sides of the transactions in this episode. And I hope you got some nuggets that you can take away and use going forward. So, Bus Bench Babes, thanks for being here. I hope you learned something. I hope you got some extra tools to put in your um, your toolbox. And yeah, go out there and win some multiple offers. I, I challenge you. Uh, until next time, Bus Bench Babes, keep your face off a bus bench and keep being the badass boss babes that you are. Okay, girls, are you feeling as inspired as we are? We're over here cheering you on because you just finished another episode of the Girl Get Your Face Off a Bus Bench podcast. If you want more, head over to girlgetyourfaceoffabusbench.com for show notes and more episodes. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. They mean the world to us and they're what keep us going. Girl, thanks for being here.